What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We are back and, lads, we're only 10 days away from the draft. It's really, really close now. So we're just going to pop in a couple of podcasts to kind of fill your boots. Obviously, talk a little bit about our draft guide, our big board, and just talk a little bit about the players that we like and the, the sort of things that we're expecting in a couple of weeks' time. So here with Raj, Kieran and Keith. Lads, it's been too long, but how are we all? Are we all right? Raj, start with you. I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm just, uh, yeah, tired from a little baby. But you know what? The draft gives me that added adrenaline, enthusiasm, and um, yeah, it's around the corner. We can smell it. So yeah, uh, yeah all these, especially how the how the uh, especially the first round is looking currently with uh, multiple teams having multiple picks. Mm. It's, uh, we could see a lot of action on draft day. So not long to go now. Yeah, and you've obviously you sent a little picture into our group chat of your little one in the Dolphins baby grow already so misery started soon Super Bowl champions this year the <laughs> cheetah and the penguin watch it <laughs> sounds like Batman villains or something a new Batman yeah. film or something like that I don't yeah. know yeah that, that, that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> the optimist yeah yeah no, nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that that's what the draft for right we're going to all get better and we get optimistic exactly speaking of optimism Kieran alright pal Back again, obviously seen you a couple of times over this East Holiday weekend. Yeah, um, the LSU camps on, life is mm, good. Mm. We got what five QBs throwing absolute ropes on every single play. So, and we've seen every video from the group chat. That's what I mean by optimism. My oh, friend. mate, I have been loving this 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 <laughs> this past week since we've like started camp. We've been able to see a guy, Jaden Daniels, who you knew I was high on, mm. and then the unluckiest man in football. And then two absolutely insane freshmen. So it's, it's been fun. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get all the propaganda all the way through the summer and when the season starts as well. So, yeah, no, we, we won't um, talk too much LSU today, I'm sure. But, you know, we'll, we'll get there eventually, I'm sure, in a few weeks' time. And then I suppose optimism isn't usually the, the, the flavour on the show, is it, Keith? But how are you, mate? You're all right. Sam Fran, not doing too much in the first round, obviously, this year, but... No, this is going to be odd for me because uh, what is the first round for me? I've got to sit there and watch <laughs> everyone else take all these people I've been studying and uh, that'll, that'll annoy me a lot. But uh, they yeah. annoy you as much as last year, though. That's the big thing. No, no, that really cheats me because... <laughs> Still. I did, yeah, oh, yeah, we gave up way too much. Way, <laughs> way, way too much. And what have we got in return so far? Nothing. And Yeah, should never have happened, mate. Should never have happened. <laughs> but we're still optimistic about today's podcast and you know, the oh, season moving forward. <laughs> always. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm liking it. I mean, you know, you've got to see what you've got to get, right? Because he's going to start the season by lots of things, isn't he? And, you know, we'll see where we are. Well, we can't get rid of Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got yeah. to give him away a bag of chips and no one's having him. So, you never know. 
28th, you know, Thursday night draft, you know, right night number one, trade a first rounder, someone, someone would be desperate. Carolina. Oh, I would absolutely piss my pants if someone did that. <laughs> hey, yeah, Miami, Miami traded for Josh Rosen. It's not out of the realms of possibility. <laughs> that is very true. I'd want to see. I'd want to see like a live like cam into your like living room if that happened because I can imagine what well, you were telling us, weren't you, about you know how pissed off you were at um, the Lance pick last year. I'd want to see like the opposite reaction um, if uh, Jimmy got a first rounder. We then go and select a someone with a fifth round grade. That's what we do, <laughs> just just to really spike me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Obviously, like I said before, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft, a little bit about our big board. We're just having a bit of a chat, really. You know, we've not seen each other for a little while. We've not been on the airwaves for a little while, so just catching up, talking some draft. What could be better than that? Um, no, but we're going to start right at the top. We're going to start with our our QB class. Um, obviously, Kieran, you've been checking out our QBs, and I know that you you're. A little bit more bullish on this QB crowd now. You know, you don't think they're as, as bad as we're all making out, are you? Yeah, I think obviously just the first, the last three first overall picks have been. I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great rookie year, but besides that, I've had some pretty exceptional QBs go in the last three years. We've got a guy who's an AFC champion in his first full year of competition in Joe Burrow. You've got Kyler Murray, who's finally made it to the playoffs. He's being held back by his coach, I think. But we've had been kind of spoiled the last three, four years. So I think that when we get to this class, it's not the best we've ever seen. But it's also not as bad as we're seeing. The top three guys, in my mind, uh, uh, could go out there and compete with the Trevor Lawrences, the Joe Burrows and the Kyler Murrays of the world. They just weren't blue chip from high school. So I think that's why people are a little bit but I think that's a lot of people who do this draft stuff. I don't think watch as much college football, especially like the talking heads in the media. And that's where a lot of people get their opinions. So I think maybe the talking heads and the guys like that, Mel Kuyper's a guy I trust, but that, you know, we see all this stuff. I think people are just focusing too much on the last few years and not really looking at the potential this quarterback class has. Cause if you look at Malik Willis, I think he's probably the most exciting prospect we've seen in a long time. If you look at, look, I, I know people compare him to Lamar Jackson, but his arm is a million times better. He Just the way he runs is fantastic as well. And then, as you could own, Matt Coral, not actually a bad quarterback. There's some really good quarterbacks in this class. And I know Keith, really high on, like me, Bailey Zappi, incredible quarterback. But by virtue of the system he's playing in and the school he's playing at and the top three, four quarterbacks not being looked at as highly. He's being pushed down rounds because of that. And I don't think he should be. So it, it, it's an interesting class. I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think. I mean, for me, first of all, I'll just open up. And are you suggesting that people on Twitter just listen to groupthink and just go straight along with it and just repeat whatever they read, spew and spew it back out? That's, I don't know about that, to be honest. But no, seriously. No, I mean, you, you're right in a couple of senses. I mean... It's not a it's not a, a, a great vintage, I would say. I don't, I'm still not super high on it. I think you know there's some guys who maybe have a decent career, but you know I think there's been better QB classes in very recent memory. So I'm still not seeing maybe what you're seeing or, or seeing this kind of huge jump in the past few weeks. I think we've seen what we've seen over the past few years, and it is what it is. You know, I don't and think we look at the 2017 class that wasn't really that exciting going into the draft. But now you look at how Patrick Mahomes has developed and things aside on the field, Deshaun Watson is an incredible quarterback. 
So I, I don't think it's outside. Look, when we went into that draft, it, it's very, very similar. You've got the very safe, you know, kind of pocket passer style guy, which was Mitch Trubisky. You've got the absolutely astonishing athlete. And then you've got a guy who has probably the worst mechanics you've ever seen going into pro football, but slung absolute bombs. Uh, and, you know, two of those three in the first round have kind of developed into, well, Pro Bowl quarterbacks, essentially. I'm not sure that we can, we can say that like, Malik Willis and Lamar Jackson are the same kind of prospect, though. No, I'm, I wasn't. I was comparing to Sean Watson. And I'm saying the two, two out of the three have, have been very good. And in terms of first-round quarterbacks, if you're hitting two out of three, that's pretty good average. Um, and I think this class could do it because it's severely underwhelming, like what 2017 was. It was a bunch of guys who, besides Watson, were pretty much unknown prompt, uh, unknown quantities because Deshaun Watson was the only guy who turned up to big games and played phenomenally at Clemson. And we've only got one guy really in the first round who's been turning up in big games. And, you know, I, I'm just interested to see how it pans out. I think these guys are a lot better than they're getting credit for. So who's the one who's kind of like jumping out at you then right now? Desmond Ritter. I hate to say it, but a lot of these guys, especially Willis and Ritter, the guys who I like the most, they they are going to have to sit at you just by virtue of the way they play the game. Poor mechanics, the IQ isn't great, but their upside is phenomenal. You look at Willis, for example, rocket arm, absolute insane athlete, tough as nails, and very, very similar makeup to Ritter. I think his arm's a lot better than Willis's, but things that aren't quite there. Once again, mechanically... He's still clap snapping, so I think he just needs to work on reading defenses a little bit better. But that that will come after the first year. I think these guys will probably have the potential to be better than anyone drafted last year, and possibly in 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 the previous years as well if they are developed correctly. I think, especially this year, for these guys, I'm likely I'm not overly sold on a lot of these guys. I I haven't really Willis as, as my top quarterback, but I think more than anything this year, it's about fit. In who they in who they join, um, as as we saw last year, obviously Trevor Lawrence is has the potential to be an All Pro quarterback, but the, the fit at the Jags and obviously the turmoil what happened at the Jags it just it, it derailed him to the extent where he was a shadow of what he showed in college. Now you look at the quarterback needy teams this year. Well, you you're putting Seattle, you're putting uh, Atlanta, you're putting Panthers, you're putting the Saints. I think. Probably out of, out of those teams, you would think, and the Lions, you probably put in there as well. Out of those teams, you probably think the Saints is probably the best fit and then will give the quarterback time more than any other place. Um, but I think it's it's a tough it's a tough position for a, a rookie quarterback this year to to come in with the, with the teams that are wanting a quarterback this year because I, I think the Panthers are a mess. The mm-hmm. Seahawks are burning bridges. Um, the Falcons. They, they they made a mess a couple of years ago and it's and it's haunting them. So yeah, it's got to be the right fit for these quarterbacks and let, yeah, we'll see what happens then. Yeah, which is why I mentioned it because I just think a lot of guys it is gonna. I think it's going to be a Kansas City situation where they're going to draft a guy who they know they're going to have time to develop. I think that this this is where these guys are going to flourish. Like Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith were not running a similar system when Patrick Mahomes started because Andy Reid is a very, very smart coach and he saw what worked at Tech, took that, adapted it to the Kansas City offense and that's how it worked, which I 
agree with Raj totally on this. It is a fit situation. And I think coaches now seeing what's happened with some quarterbacks, they're adapting their system to fit that quarterback a little bit better rather than square peg round hole. Cause we see it time and time after again, quarterbacks who are pretty good quarterbacks fail because they are forced to play in a system that is not maximizing their strengths. And I think, you know, like Rod said, it, it's going to be a fit, but I think a lot of these guys, uh, especially the, the the good guys like Willis and Ritter, they are not going to be square peg round hole guys. You are going to have to bring them in, groom them correctly, and make sure that they're going to play in a system that plays to their strengths. Otherwise, I think you're wasting insane potential. Mm. Yeah, no, I've got I, I've got along with that, and just to get, I've got a couple of things I want to say really about a couple of teams, and I just want to kind of chuck something back at you, Raj, if if you can. Um, I agree with you in the fact that the Saints are going to be the best kind of team to land on because obviously they've got uh, playmakers, you know, around them. They've got um, a reasonable offensive line as well, and you know, I think the culture of that place is kind of a winning culture as well. So you step into that. Do you think that they're going to package up these two picks that they've now got in the first round and move up, or do you think they're just going to sit where they are and maybe take one of those kind of guys in the teens? I think. I think they may just wait and sit and, and, and take one of those guys in the teams because I can't. Maybe Willis may go top ten mm. to the Panthers potentially, um, but the thing is, what hurts this quarterback class more than anything I feel is what's going to happen next year. And everyone is already talking about the quarterbacks coming out next year, and teams are already packaging picks and, and getting ammunition for next year rather than. This year, you look at the Seahawks, for example, they're going to ride with Drew Lock. Look at your boys. Look at your boys doing yeah. that as well, potentially. Exactly. There's, 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 a, there's a ton of teams that are already basically writing this year off for the quarterback class and just mm. looking for next year. Um, and I think that's, hurt, that, that's, that's hurting these guys this year. And it may not lead to the best, the best fit for these, these guys, especially like Malik West needs to be in the right fit, like a, like a, a Raven style offense, but obviously wherever that's replicated elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it, I can see quite a few of them dropping the second round, to be honest, because um, I think pe- uh, teams are looking ahead to next year and the quarterback talent coming out next year and probably thinking, right, we'll pass maybe this year, tank or, or get ammunition and then and then really go all out, all out guns blazing next year. And also the free agent market could again explode like it like it has this year as well. Like the free, free agency is dictated what's happening in the quarterback market probably more than the draft this year. Yeah, it's been, it's been trade central, hasn't it, over here? Keith, I, my second kind of thing that I wanted to mention, and I want to kind of see what your thoughts are on this. I mean, I'm very much of the mindset of this year with these guys, like Kieran's mentioned, you know, Ridder, Willis, they've got upside. You know, I think that's what you've got to draft for in the first round, right? Because you've got to take a, take a gamble on these, these guys and see what you get. I think... You know, just working off the list that Raj got uh, and just kind of mentioned earlier, I think one of my second choice after the Saints would be Detroit because as much as they've not got a winning culture and not got the things that I mentioned before, you know, they've got a reasonable offensive line. They've got uh, DeAndre Swift in the backfield as well. Do we think, obviously, they've got Goff as well where he can kind of be that bridge and then they can get rid of him pretty easy. Do you think that Detroit have got a hand in this game and do you think, obviously, with two first-round picks, they can maybe use that second one late in the first and get a guy? Yeah, I think um, we've seen mocks recently with Willis at two, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. That was kind of one of my follow-up points yeah, I was going to make. No, <laughs> absolutely not. 
I mean, I wouldn't take any of these in the first round. That's I, I just don't think they're they're worth that. But of course, teams will. Um, what about like the yeah. fifth year options sort of aspect of that? Would that play yeah. into your thinking as well? Yeah, I mean, look, if Detroit's sitting there, you know, with um, the, the, the late round, uh, the late first round pick. It depends who's sitting there, of course. But if Ridder was there, I'd take that. Because um, I think Ridder's the one worth developing. Uh, I mean, I love Malik with flashes, but God, it's scary still. Um, there's yeah, massive bust potential. Mm. Obviously, the ceiling's incredibly high. Ridder, I do like. I do like Ridder. But yeah, it's, it's, you can't throw him in. And if, if Detroit... Uh, I mean, Pickett's going to go first round, isn't he? Um, yeah. I think we all disagree with... That narrative. Um, I don't think Matt Corral goes in the first round now. I don't think Sam Howell goes. Carson Strong's knees, obviously, a massive problem. So that's not happening. I would take the chance on Ridder late in the first round if I was Detroit, because mm-hmm. I'd assume he'd still be there. Um, but the Saints is the best spot to land if you're one of these quarterbacks. The Saints is where you want to be. You've got as mm. much greater chance of succeeding there. So, what I can't have happen is pick it, go there, and look good because that'll <laughs> that'll make us all look bad, won't it? <laughs> that'll destroy my soul. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we think that like Pickett, um, you know, he's been linked with Carolina a lot. You know, do we think that's on? That's kind of to everyone, I guess. Yeah. No, Jimmy's uh, going there. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy's going you're going to sneak into existence, are you? <laughs> that's what I want to happen. That's not going to happen, but that's what I want to happen. What does everyone Matt, else think about that? Matt Rule's on the hot seat, so it's win or bust this year. So I don't think that he can get uh, Kenny Pickett this year and, and throw him into, into the fire and, and, and expect a winning season, I think. I don't think any coach will be, do that. <laughs> there will be a veteran, probably uh, Mayfield or... or or Jimmy, or, or, or mm. someone else that would, will be there next year. But yeah, I'm like like Keith. I'm not a picket fan at all. And um, yeah, out of all of them, he's the one I'm most down on, to be honest. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. I mean, obviously, I've been saying I wrote an article about it last year and things like that. And yeah, I don't think he's he should be anywhere near the first round personally. But you know, I'm just seeing the the links that are made. Obviously, the Matt Rule Temple thing where he recruited him and. Obviously, I think the NFL seems to be a lot higher on him than than all we are and all you know sort of people like us are, barring the odd person also. You know, and I think like he said, I think he's pretty much nailed on to go in the first. And you know, Malik Willis aside, potentially almost you know certain to be the first one off the board, which is kind of alarming for NFL, isn't it? To be fair, <laughs> the kind of state of this draft class. But um, anyway, they are like you say, they are de- absolutely desperate to find someone. But you know, is he better than Sam Darnold in the short term? I don't know. It's because every year, like as we get midway through the season, the the media picks one quarterback who's doing a lot better than he was the previous year. And they say, oh, is this the new Joe Burrow? Which for Kenny Pickett is just an absolutely disgusting comparison to make. But they, they take a quarterback and they say, is this the new Joe Burrow? Or is this the new whatever? And you have to hear that. And and they make ridiculous comparisons like, oh, he's, he's got small hands and Joe also had small hands. So like the media does this ridiculous comparison with quarterbacks every year. And I think they forced Kenny Pickett down our throat. By the way, I think Bailey Zapp's a better quarterback, Bailey Zappy, however you want to say it. I think he's a far better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. I think he has far more upside besides the mobility. But 
yeah, it's just another guy who I think is is being set up to fail by the media being said, hey, he's the next best thing, which means NFL coaches, as smart as they are to be in the position they are, they're going to grab him first round and think, well, everyone thinks he's good. So if he looks all right at camp, we'll throw him in week one and it'll be another guy's career ruined. Because I think as bad as I think Kenny Pickett is, I think with the right development, he could obviously become a very average NFL quarterback, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, but yeah, I think the media forced this narrative down our throat and he's going to get overdrafted and he's going to get absolutely just ruined within his first two years, I reckon. Mm. So for for those that haven't bought it already, you know, we do have our draft guide out at the moment. It's £5 on the website, com for anyone who doesn't have a copy as of yet. Um, give us a quick rundown of Bailey Zach, I think, here. And obviously, you've been our QB guy for the past couple of years. Did you say Bailey Zappi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just... So I took a different approach to drafting this year, because uh, evaluating this year, because Brett Coleman, a guy I really respect, he made a brilliant video talking about quarterbacks and quarterback evaluation. And something that I was trying to do beforehand was not be too high on air raid guys. I've been burned by Luke Falk, Anthony Gordon, Gardner Minshew to a little bit of an extent. But the problem is, it, it's like I said with Patrick Mahomes, if you're in an air raid system, yes, your numbers will be slightly inflated. That's just the, the nature of the system. That's how it works. But if it's working in that system in college, why won't it work in the NFL? Now, I know you can say because, you know, essentially you're playing against the best of the best every single week, but also your offense is the best of the best. So, so, so why can't you make it work? And I think you've you've got to use a lot of nuance in this situation you've got to pick the plays you're using very carefully you want protection to be perfect and if you can pull it off that hitch fantastic so with Bailey Zappi I've tried to just just grade him on what I see not on what the scheme is or how well I think he can pull certain things off in the NFL I graded him as a player evaluated him as a player uh and as a player, I think he's fantastic. He can make any throw on the field. His mechanics, they need a little bit of work, but he, he he's very calm in what he does out there. We can see that he's a veteran of a lot of games back when he was playing at, was it Houston Baptist, I think, before he went to WKU. Mm-hmm. And and he, he knows ball. He knows how to read defenses. He knows how to set protection from his offensive line. He, he, know, he, tell, he, he makes a lot of audibles, especially for a guy at the level of college that is. Now, does he look better because he's been with the same offensive uh, coordinator his entire college life, essentially? When he left Houston Baptist, he, w- he was recruited to WKU by his offensive coordinator from Houston Baptist. So there's some familiarity there. But I think if you get him into the NFL... Just take 10 or 15 plays that you know he can run well at, at, at WKU. Do something similar in the NFL. Give him a lot of support with running backs. Give him a lot of uh, safety blankets. I think once he gets the rhythm and timing of the NFL down, he's going to be a fantastic quarterback because mm-hmm. his arm's great. His mobility is you know, he's a quarterback. He doesn't need to be that mobile, but he, he can get out of the pocket when he needs to. And I think he does a lot of things better than some of these top guys. Sam Howe, a guy who people were saying, oh, he's very good. I like him. Well, for for example, Bailey has way better pocket awareness. He, ju- he just does. Like, 
yeah, he's been sacked a couple times, but Sam Howell will drift in the pocket and look lost or tuck the ball and run too quickly when there's a guy wide open. Bailey doesn't do that. He doesn't panic. He's willing to wait and take a hit to get a ball off. He he just looks like a veteran already. And this might be a bad comparison because um, he's not, you know, really performed in the NFL. But he really reminds me of Shane Bouchel, who was at SMU. Just that kind of veteran-style quarterback. He knows what he's doing. And I think if you put him in, it's going to suck to say because I'm an AFC North supporter, but I think he'd look really good in Pittsburgh. You give him a year under, um, what's his face? Mitch Trubisky. Sorry, I should have remembered that as a first-round quarterback. Um, you, you put him for a year behind Mitch Trubisky, let him hold a clipboard with a veteran guy like Mike Tomlin guiding him and making sure he's a part of that culture and a part of that work ethic. I honestly think Bailey Zappi could be probably one of the best quarterbacks in this class if the other guys aren't developed as they should be. I hear what you're saying about the, the scheme and things like that. Um but what about the level of competition? Because, you know, like you say, he's come from Houston Baptist. He's then gone to Western Kentucky. It's still group of five rather than power five. And I mean, you know, when we want to put the difficulty down on Madden, we all look great, don't we? So kind of what would you say about that in terms of level of competition? Because it's a huge step up from that to the NFL, especially at the quarterback well, position. Yeah, well, for a start, I don't turn the difficulty down on Madden. I don't know if there's any rumours you've heard, but that's not me. I play all Madden <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, level of competition is always a concern, but we've had that concern with a lot of quarterbacks in the past. There's a lot of group of five guys who are top quarterbacks in the league right now. Now, I know when you look at uh, recent guys, but like Trevor Lawrence, he was at one of the biggest programs in college football. I understand that it's his rookie year, but he didn't look that great. Joe Burrow was shitting bricks his first year, and he's at one of the biggest programs in the sport. And obviously that could be for the offensive line, but it, it it just happens. I think the level of competition, as long as you're showing improvement, and by the way, he has, if you look at um, his time at Houston Baptist and then you watch his tape from WKU, I, I know that's a massive jump in competition, but the difference is night and day. He plays better. He has better players there. He can make more plays. And I think that translates to the NFL. Yes, he is going to be facing more complex and more exotic looking defenses. He is going to have to track safeties better. He is going to have to call protection better. But he's also going to have higher level players around him making plays. He's going to have NFL receivers. He's going to have NFL linemen. He's going to have NFL tight ends. He's going to have NFL play callers. So, yeah, it's a jumping competition for him. But also his teammates are a a level above. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think it actually affects him that much. There's a lot, you know, a lot of group of five guys who are very, very successful in the league. So... Yeah, the difference is that the, the you know the likes of Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, they weren't zero star recruits either. So that's a slight difference in, in my opinion. But you know. was Joe Burrow, a three star who was yeah, but he still went to Ohio now. State, had the coach in Ohio State, went to LSU, had the coaching and had the teammates. And all I, that I, sort I, of stuff, I see but. what you mean, but then we look at guys like Zach Wilson who succeeded at a group of five schools. Yeah, he wasn't well. again. Wasn't a zero star recruit, was he? He wasn't great. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. Like it obviously. In terms of being a zero-star recruit, I think what that is, is a lot of guys fall through the cracks. Hmm. Why was Justin Jefferson a one-star recruit on some websites? Everyone develops at different rates, I guess. But Exactly. And, and a lot of guys fall through the cracks. But then you have guys who are five-stars who come in and can't do anything. Yeah, it's right? not, it's not guaranteed, though, is it, I yeah, guess? Like, like, look at Spencer Rattler, the <laughs> most groomed quarterback 
for a long time, besides maybe Trevor Lawrence. They come in at similar times, I know, but he hasn't even been a shadow of what he should have been. Uh, and the same with other guys. So I think, yeah, definitely under recruited is something to look at. But once you get him in camp, ball is ball after after a certain point. So if you can get him in camp and he's willing to work, which he's shown he can do at the college level, I think it'd be absolutely fantastic. All right, then. so we've got a few we've got a few guys. Um, let's kind of go like quick fire. Um, where are these guys going to go? So let's start with Kenny Pickett. Keith, I'll come to you first. Where's Kenny Pickett going to go? What teams are going to go and where? God. Uh, <laughs> I'll surprise uh, you guys. Keep you guys on your toes. I don't. Yeah, he will. Uh, Not I'll where say, you would draft him. Where do you think he will go? Yeah, I think he'll go. The latest he'll go is Pittsburgh. Okay. It's like top 20 that we're talking, aren't we? Yeah. Raj, what about you? Panthers. Panthers at six. I think okay. so. Yeah, Matt Rule was, uh, yeah, he's desperate. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I think I, w- I would agree with that. I think he's going to go top. I think he's going to go top six or go to the Panthers. Should I say? What are you, Kieran? Yeah, I think you know, boring. But I think Panthers is a safe bet. I know Raj has mm. already said it, so it's a little bit boring for me to reiterate it. But <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt Rule's fighting for his damn life, so mm. I think he's going to go ahead and grab a player he thinks will be successful for him. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and same same question, we'll just do three, we won't go through the whole class. What about Malik Willis? Kieran, we'll come back to you straight away with Malik Willis. Uh, I think the Lions take him. I think not with their first first round pick, by the way, of their second first round second pick. Okay. I think they'll pick him up. Cool. Ralph, what about you? Steelers, I think, uh, in that division with um, with Lamar and obviously Deshaun and uh, Trubisky's a mobile quarterback as well. I think uh, yeah. they might groom Willis to, to be sort of that mobile quarterback in the AFC North. Yeah, they have said, haven't they, the Steelers that they want a mobile quarterback after having the least mobile quarterback almost ever, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's a pretty decent shot as well. And Keith, what about you from Malik Willis? I hope he goes to Pittsburgh. Um, but I can see I can see Detroit pitching a couple of picks. The the one in the 30s with St. Hills and, and trying to get above a couple of these to try and get him. Because I mm. think we Ben, I think it'd be great for Detroit. Um, someone exciting. Need, that fan base needs something. They've yeah. got off there, fight them over. Um, if they can get in front of Pittsburgh, uh, which shouldn't take too much, I wouldn't have thought. Um, yeah, that's that's what I want to happen. But I'd be happy. Yeah, if he lands in Pittsburgh, he's got a chance as well. I want him to succeed because uh, he's really exciting on his day. He's the one that does get the juices flowing in this is class. Him and um, Desmond Ridder for me are the two mm. that at least you know, sort of excite me. Yeah, no, I've definitely got along with that. I, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. I do think he'd go to Detroit, but I think there's a big chance he might go number two. You know, I think there's a big, big chance that they might just pull the trigger a little bit too early and just just take him. Um, but if yeah, they, we'll see. They, if they think that's the that's the future and that's the way for them, yeah, I suppose you could say why not take him at two. Mm. Yeah, so then it's a long, it's longer wait, isn't it? Thirty picks for your next one, but yeah, you got to do it. I guess it's only normal, you, isn't it, to wait that long? Yeah, if you think that's going to get your your fan base frothing, then you mm. do it. Yeah, and the last one, I want to kind of throw you guys a little bit of curveball. I know that the MLB has just started, so we're going to talk some curveballs here. It's not a guy that we talked about much, but I'm going to throw Sam Howell at you. Obviously, he's a guy that's like kind of fallen away a lot, like. I remember maybe sitting here a year or so ago and being like, yeah, this is the guy of this quarterback class, you know, he just come off a great year and things like that. And he wasn't terrible, but he just didn't have the support around him, did he? So somehow, Kieran, I'll come to you because I've not started with you yet. I have um, Don't mind. 
whatever. <laughs> it's a tough go one. For a range. Um, Maybe not need, don't need a team for this, but give me a range. I, if you want to get I a th- team, go for it. I think you'll probably fall mid to late second round. Like I've, I, I graded him oh. as second round. I, yeah. I think I just, it's tough because he's good, but also there's a lot of problems. Um, I think he's, he tops out a game manager. So I think just, late second round. He'll be a Drew Locke-esque pick, I think. Mm. Right, what about you? Uh, I can see him at the Texans. Like a, a QB back Davis Mills. Mm. I see he's not cemented to be the starting quarterback there, so you might as well get one of the the more talked about quarterbacks this year and have a count battle and see who comes out top, top of that because Davis Mills showed flashes last year, but we all... The thing is with Davis Mills that he's just limited reps at Stanford. So, mm. um, yeah, I can see that potentially being an avenue for Sam Hill. So it's kind of like a let's just keep drafting them until we hit one kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Keith, what about you? Last one. I saw quite a bit of North Carolina this past season. I thought he did struggle, um, but he tried so hard. He tried to do everything um, and that ultimately got into quite a bit of trouble. Um, yeah. I don't think you can fault him for, for being that kind of personality. I quite like that. Um, I think he's a top 50 player, um, but he's probably going to be the fifth one of that top five to go. Um, and I'd put him certainly above Pickett. Um, uh, but yeah, he probably sits in there. I'd say top 50 um, team. I don't know. Someone that, isn't afraid to to mix in a, a, a dual threaty type um, player like him because he can he runs really hard too mm. hard probably yeah. some of his problems <laughs> too aggressive uh, almost um, but you know some teams need that kind of player that sort of is a character isn't he he's he's um he's not the Matt Corral character who's going to start punching people or whatever <laughs> uh, but he's he's certainly is is you can gravitate towards him I quite like him I hope mm. he succeeds but. Yeah, top 50. Yeah, I, I need gonna... to ask though, oh. Keith, um, you said you watched a lot of his tapes. So I'm going to ask you, I've asked everyone who's watched the tape on him. How pissed off were you before every throw? He does the little, like he's like he's burping a, a child. <laughs> Have you noticed he does that? But And it, it, it doubles his release time and it really drove me up the wall. I didn't know if it annoyed you too. I did. I did notice it, but uh, perhaps he's got a new kid, mate. That's, that's quite a skill to have. <laughs> yeah, Raj can attest to that, right? <laughs> yeah, burping is a is a skill. So if he can do that with a the football, then um, you just I don't, don't throw afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I don't throw my baby. <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving back to to Howell, then I'm gonna gonna kind of go along with a couple of what you guys have said. I think you've spoke a lot of sense, so. Um, yeah, top 50 guy, definitely I mean, number 50 on our big board, so kind of goes along with that for sure. Um, mid-second also, yeah, I'm going to go along with that. Um, a guy who is a leader and is maybe replacing a bit of a leader in a mobile quarterback, how about him going to Seattle in the second round and being that Drew Locke kind of guy next to Drew Locke and being a different kind of guy, obviously, but um, yeah, they need a bit of a rebuild, don't they, as well and I don't think Drew Locke is the answer, I think they were just getting something to make it not a necessity to get one in the draft. But, you know, let's get one when they're a bit more comfortable, not with those, you know, ninth pick overall or anything silly like that. But, you know, get him in the second, I believe they've got a couple of second round picks. So use one of them, you know, potentially get another quarterback. Obviously, Russ was a mid-round quarterback. So maybe hit on another one and, and see where you go. Because like I say, I mean, he's got the mobility. He's got the uh, 
he's got some skills, you know, I think he's got something to work with. So, you know, we can see what happens there. He's got the leadership ability as well. So I've got him to go to Seattle in the second round. So The only we'll reason that concerns out. me is Skeet Carroll's gone after this year. Mm. So he might potentially have a new coach and staff who hate everything about his game. Funny can't pick where he goes, can he? <laughs> no, 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 but that's what I'm saying. Then he's just going to sit there and potentially ride the bench. I mean, we've seen it with with Kellen Mond. He got drafted by the Vikings, and then the training staff changed, and he he hasn't got a look in, despite Kirk Cousins being Kirk Cousins. So, so I don't like the Seattle pick just because I feel like that will probably be bad for him. But I can see it happening still. Mm. We'll see. I mean, they've got a lot of guys, haven't they? You know, they've got Gino, who they've just signed. They've got Locke. None of these guys are the long-term answer. Let's see if they can kind of get another one. And kind of goes back to what I just said to Raj, really. You know, keep keep bringing them in, keep having a camp battle, see who comes out on top. I mean, it's a rebuild in Seattle anyway, isn't it? So it's not going to be troubling, especially a difficult division such as the NFC West as well. So, yeah, no, got a few kind of talking points about quarterbacks there. Let's stick on offense and let's talk about some offensive linemen. Obviously, Raj and Keith are offensive linemen. Uh, gurus who are kind of putting everything together for the draft guide. Um, I want to kind of pick, and you know, we can stick with a few offensive linemen topics, but I want to kind of come to Raj at first. Obviously, you guys, you've done the, uh, the tackles for us. Charles Cross is our number one tackle in the guide. I believe he's ninth overall or so, something like that. Uh, fifth, fifth overall. Um, obviously, everyone in the whole world seems to think that Iki Aquanu and um, Evan Neal are OT1 and 2, respectively, in some order. Why have we got Charles Cross as our number one tackle? So technically, he is the most sound of the three tackles. His footwork is fantastic. He has a strong base. Uh, obviously, what, what really annoys me within the, the draft chatter this year is everyone's knocking Charles Cross for, oh, he's, his run blocking isn't great. Oh, he, in, in an air raid offense, he's, lim- he's limited, um, obviously, run blocking. So don't know how that would translate. But... Number one, the NFL is passing league. And number two, if actually you watch the tape, when he was asked to run block, he was actually pretty good at it. So, like, it's just, la- it's just lazy, jur- lazy journalism and lazy chat. And coincidentally, then, why everyone's going on about Iki Aponu, like, absolutely fantastic run blocker. But if you were to say, is he a fantastic pass blocker? Well, he's only really had one season of actually proper offensive tackle pass blocking ability. And I would... I still have a reservation of him being more regard than a tackle, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic, like, love a I was I've been talking about him since the summer, like, violent, aggressive finisher. Yeah. But as a, as a tackle, I, with his short arms, I, I just, I, I, I love Charles Cross. The, the, he's so fluid and nimble. It reminds me of, like, the conversation last year with, you know, how everyone was talking about Penny Saul and a clear OT1, but Rashawn Slater was, ended up being probably the best offensive tackle, even though Saul did have a great season. I think everyone's just forgetting about Charles Cross, maybe because he's coming from like an, an unfashionable uh, college compared to Evan Neal, for example. But I think he is the most polished, technically he's the most sound. Um, and there's rumours of Texans maybe getting him to finally replace to replace Tunsil next year or the Giants and moving Andrew Thomas to right tackle. Mm-hmm. And there's been a couple like, pundits that have said yeah they have Charles Cross as their number one and I but I even saw Bruce Fieldman saying he's out the first round which is not going to happen um but for me he's the most polished his, his footwork is unbelievable 
Um, he's so nimble on his feet. You just have put put on the table by Alabama against that one of the best D lines in the in the whole country, and he was he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, I just think he's the most pro ready out of all of them. I think Evan Neal's got quite a bit to work on. I think what benefits Evan Neal is the fact he's played guard, right tackle, and left tackle, so he's got the versatility in the first year to to obviously fit within an offense. But um, I think plug and play day one start. I think Charles Cross is. That, that's why having his OT1, I think he's ready. And I think he's, it, it, it's, it's a joy to watch his tape. And it's not always a joy to watch offensive tackle tape, but his, his tape is he, he's, he's phenomenal tackle. I think, he's, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think we're, we're all kind of on board with that one, looking at the screens on our Zooms call there. You know, we're all kind of nodding along. I mean, to be fair, like I said, I think with the rest of the media and like the mainstream kind of thought of training on these guys is that Neil and Iquanu are kind of pretty much equal, but you've kind of only got a point and a half on our system, you know, between uh, Neil and Cross. So that's kind of a bit of a, you know, the same sort of thing, but with two different players or one different player at least. And then Iquanu is quite a bit of a drop-off, you know, four and a bit points off. So it's kind of interesting to kind of hear you kind of talk through things and kind of explain the same narrative that we're hearing, but just with a kind of player switch, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. What about you guys? Have you, you kind of got the same sort of method of thinking or are you thinking... Iquanu is kind of your guy, or what about you? You other two? For me, Iquanu, I still think is a guard. Mm. I agree with what Raj says. Um, yeah, some of the tape I saw, the pass blocking, it's, it's so sloppy. Um, it, it, the whole point of an Iquanu is someone to maul you, and it's, it's a guard all day long for me, um, which I guess moves him down um, in draft value. I still think Evan Neal's a, a, an exciting prospect. Um, he hasn't worked out, so um, we haven't got any numbers on him, so you can't say he's an elite athlete. We think he is. Um, but I, I'm that one's feetless kind of guy, so you, you think yeah, yeah. so, wouldn't you? you yeah, you think so. I'm, I'm, I'm with Raj as well. Cross is... You know, can you be underrated if you're going to be a top 10 player? I don't, you know, I don't know, but he's... To me, he's an underrated guy. Um, and it is all down to the system. That everyone will, will just say, like Raj said, he can't run block. Well, if you do watch it, they do run. Do you know what I mean? They have to. They've got to keep them on. <laughs> <laughs> the minimum amount of times we might leech, but yeah, they do do it. Yeah, that's I, I would probably still take Neil above Cross only for because I think ceiling for Neil could be really, really high. Yeah. Hmm. I said I'd have acquired his three at those for me. Cool. Just to let you know, Keith, we didn't really get a lot of that at the beginning. Um you've internet seems to be a bit dodged at the minute. Ah, oh, it's all this illegal stuff I'm doing, so <laughs> Just so you know. Kieran, what, what about you? Did you see it the same way that the other two guys are saying it, or do you see it a bit differently? Yeah, no, I agree with Raj. Every time I talk about offensive line, I talk about fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. That's literally the most important part of being an offensive lineman. Because you can have insane power and insane measurables, but if you don't know how to, you know, if you don't know how to kick your feet out properly, if you don't know how to set pad height, you're just not going to be able to do anything. And I think Raj nailed it perfectly. He is a technical marvel to watch i've only seen limited tape of him but he knows exactly what he's doing he understands leverage he understands what guys are trying to do to him 
and yeah, on a technical level, he's probably one of the best guys in the draft. And I think, look, I was down on Sewell because I said he was a lot of power and no finesse. But mm. th- think Charles Cross, not the opposite, because he's obviously got the power there. But it, it's the finesse he plays his game with. Is you, you can't beat someone like that if 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 they are technically sound. You're you're not going to get past them nine times out of ten. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think they're both, uh, all three of them actually, you know, really good players. I think one thing, I, th- I think I spoke about this on the Draft Punks podcast that me and Kieran were on recently, that with Aquanu, it's just kind of sometimes about just sticking the best five guys out there for a team, especially if you're not very good and you're picking in the top 10. So maybe he gives the team that flexibility to kind of just draft him and, you know, you know put him at each position or in camp and see kind of what he's best at and then kind of work from there because he's, he's obviously a really talented player. And especially if you're a heavy running team so he's going to kind of do the business for you there I'd say and you know maybe he's going to be a tackle a little bit later on in his career because you know it's not a one-year kind of project that you're going to draft for is it so just to kind of play with a little bit of devil's advocate and stick up for a corner there a little bit um but yeah I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that uh, I think there's a lot of development guys this year in, in this tackle class and that's mm. why I have Charles Cross as number one because like for me he is ready to start from day one like you said Iquana needs development guys further down like Bernard Ryman Daniel Falele, um, Tyler Smith, um, but all those guys, they they need a lot of development. There's very few plug-and-play players this year. I would probably say, uh, well, if Darren Kennard is probably plug-and-play, but maybe as a guard rather than tackle as well. And then probably the only other plug-and-play apart from Cross and Neil, I would probably go with Abraham Lucas, mm. who would be a plug-and-play right tackle, um, has has the, the, the size, the build, the footwork, the fundamentals like Kieran talks about, um, obviously just prim- primarily a right tackle, which obviously does just, just probably shooting down the boards. But I think there's a lot of, there are very few tackles that you could, you could peg, say, day one starters this year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, as a team, as a fan of a team who needs a right tackle, it's absolutely fine. If he wants to drop to the third round and Abe Lucas wants to be there and we can pick him at 79 and he can just be our starter forever, that'd be fine. I'm happy with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on another guy. Um, quite a polarising player, Trevor Penning. I know we've got him in the third round. Obviously, he's been talked up in the first half of the first round and things like that. That is a bit scary to me, especially because he just gives away lots of penalties and he seems completely undisciplined. Obviously, again, I'm going to talk about level of competition again. Give me your thoughts on Trevor Penning, Raj, and kind of where you see him going and, and kind of where that you might see that a little bit differently considering we've got him rated as a third-round player. Yeah, I'm not I'm not high on Penning. I think there's a lot of noise about him mm. simply because of his attitude. Um, yeah. Like, just like all, all mouth, like sort of big bully guy. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, yeah. Be the bookend of your offensive line, but actually the fundamentals and the technique he he does lose his balance quite a lot I don't think he uses his frame to his best visibility I think he can get quite lazy with his pass blocking especially um, and I think you have to look at what I think Spencer Brown last year um, same school he struggled at the, at the Bills last year and he he was someone that was I was pretty high on last year and I think that was a bit of a, a little bit of a red flag to be honest in terms of okay what with Trevor Penny coming out of the same school, what, what am I missing? And I think the senior bar, I think, really highlighted, even though it's probably not favoured towards offensive tackles on one-on-one sets. But I just think, um, especially his balance, he just falls over yeah. quite a lot. Um, and I'm not I'm not high on him. And I don't, again, he would be someone that needs to be 
developed because he's got the frame, he's got the stature, but there's a lot of the fundamentals of an offensive line play that he really needs to work on. And he won't be a plug and play starter. He, he would have to sit. Um, I don't think he can play guard. I think you have to be a, like a swing tackle maybe for the first year or so. Mm. And then if if he's if the development is there, then he could maybe be a, a starting tackle. But I, I, there, there are players in this draft that I would have more confidence of being a, a starting left tackle than, than Trevor Penning. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. I know I know that you're not very high in Kieran, so I'll kind of leave your thoughts to last. But Keith, what do you think of Trevor Penning? You kind of with us, I think we're all pretty low on him on this podcast, but obviously he does have his fans. Yeah, I'm not one of them. No, uh, it, it was. It is sloppy. It, it really is quite. A, he's a lunger. He'll get mm. beat um, really easy. And all we're going to see on YouTube is these clips where he throws someone on the ground and talks his body and slams him onto the ground. Well, some of the time it's going to be cold as holding. You know I mean? uh, he's not going to get away with it. Um, if I'm saying oh, he's aggressive, and we want that now, room. We want a you know that nasty one. You do, uh, but you, you've got to be clever as well. Um, he's obviously an incredible athlete, tested really, really well. So there's obviously yeah. potential. Um, he's not a first-round player for me. Um, but, you know, six, seven, three twenties under five seconds, 40s, and, you know, the jumps were great. There's a there's an athlete in there. Can a coach get – just tone it down a bit and actually teach him some technique because – He's too busy trying to wrestle someone's heart of, out of their chest every player. Like, you don't have to do that, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. He he reminds me a little bit um, in terms of his attitude and his kind of play style, I guess, as Garrett Bowles. And I know that Garrett Bowles has kind of just got a big extension from the Broncos, but that has been a slow, slow burn. He's kind of got to that point. So he, he kind of reminds me. for three years, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I kind mean? of... Loved it because obviously, you know, you knew that you were going to get a couple of holding penalties and he was going to kind of mess the Broncos up a couple of times a game. So I was happy for it. Kieran, what about you? Obviously, you gave a big thumbs down as, as I was kind of introducing this little mini topic. I know you don't like him. It's just sloppy, poor play. He's going to draw a bunch of flags. He's going to get a bunch of chuds from Barstool Sport going, oh, but he threw someone to the ground. He must be strong. But like, <laughs> it... it I know there's some positions in football you can very easily get away with being a freak athlete. Like wide receiver, you can be a freakish athlete, kind of get away with it. Linebacker a little bit to that extent, sometimes in the secondary, but offensive tackle is if there's only one position where technique needs to be perfect, I think that's it. Because you could be 400 pounds, bench press a car, and you're not going to be able to stop Aaron Donald hitting a scissor on you or, or or something like that. You need to be able to set your feet correctly. You need to be able to kick out properly. You need to get your hands set correctly. We saw what happened at the senior bowl. He was getting fucking ruined by guys half his size. He was just getting abused. And like the one time he managed to get his hands on a guy and throw him down, not only was it holding, he nearly rolled a quarterback's leg up underneath the guy. So it's just really poor, irresponsible play. And I don't think... If you're going to take on a punt on him before the sixth round, you're a fucking nut nutcase, I think, because you've got you're going to have to do so much work. You're going to have to put him in a team where you you're going to have to have at least two or three years to develop him. Because if you put him out there in the NFL day one, it's going to look like he's never played a snap of ball in his life. He's going to be Billy Price esque. He's just going to be bad. Mm. So yeah, just 
too sloppy. I don't like his attitude either. I know a lot, of, like I said, you, you go viral on Barstool for just being a bit of a knob in a football game. So that's why he's been talked about a lot because he can throw people to the ground. Well, do you know what he can't do? Actually block. He can't actually keep his quarterback safe. He can't move guys for his running back. So that's what people should be focusing on. But yeah, I, I, I really don't like him as a player. I think he's so bad, but but we, we'll see where he goes. Sixth round, hopefully. Yeah, all right. So, so that's a full house then with us kind of being a bit down on Trevor Penning to, uh, to varying degrees, I would say. But um, I kind of just want to finish off the offensive line topic just with one quick one. Obviously, um, and Keith, this is kind of one for you, I guess, being sort of the interior kind of judge that we've had and the scout that we've kind of got here with the draft guide. Talk to us about the, the quandary that people find themselves in with Tyler Linderbaum, because just like most of the people, most of the draft guides that I've seen, Tyler Linderbaum is a top five, top ten pick, and for us he's number four. But obviously he's a centre, he's a centre only, he's a zone only guy. Like, is he going to go in the first round? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. He deserves to be. Um, mm. I think in the, in the guide I see he's the safest, I think he's the safest player in this draft. But he's scheme specific and he is probably a centre only. And if, if those two boxes are ticked, how, yeah, where do you value that? Um, it's not a top 10. It deserves to be a top 10 player because mm. the tape screams elite everything. Apart from size, he's, he's got yeah, his little... Yeah, and arm length and measurables in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got crocodile arms and he's not great. Um, but everything else is great. The power's there, athlete is there, you know, in a zone-blocking scheme. And let's face it, a lot of the NFL trends this way. So yeah. Yeah. you're probably only losing, what, a third to a quarter of your your, your options. Um, I hope he goes top 20. I think Cincinnati would take him. If yeah. he fell that far. Mm. Uh, but he's got to go in the first round. It'd be criminal if he didn't. Roger, obviously, also, you want to come in? Yeah, no, oh. I, I love Linderbaum as well. And uh, I'll point to the, the video that I sent in the group um, a couple of weeks ago with him versus Tristan Worst. And there were similar sort of conversations about Tristan Worst coming out and saying, coming out of IRA as well, in terms of like uh, size and, and power and, and, and weight as well. But uh, because he's six six foot two eighty nine or two ninety or something like that, and but how he uses that power and how he uses that leverage and that wrestling background, he uses every little bit of his stature and size to to the fullest effect. Um, I love him. I think, like like he said, he's one of the safest picks in, in this draft. Um, positional value centre, yeah, agreed. But like we saw last year, I thought Creed Humphrey was a first round pick. He dropped the second, and he was one of the best best picks of all of all of last year and the Chiefs have got their centre for the next 10-15 years so if you want something similar then he, he, he could be a man like for instance many years ago so with the Dolphins Mike Pouncey Mike Pouncey was we drafted him in the first round and he was, he, he was a, a pro bowl quality centre and when you've got like I think I think it's a great shout with the Bengals when you've got a rookie quarterback you just want to get the best five on that line and with the best centre staring you at the end of the first round you take him mm. yeah to be fair you, you came in with and made the point that I was kind of going to throw at you really in the fact that is Creed Humphrey going to do him a favour in the fact that the NFL let him drop to the second round and then he was a an absolute slam dunk of a pink, uh, pick unfortunately so yeah I think we kind of answered that one 
Um, any more for any more on offensive line guys? You know, so I know that you guys have kind of um, got some takes to come out, and I know you guys are probably at least have done the draft guide. But yeah, throw many other takes that you've got on offensive line before we move on. One of them is uh, stop. Oh no, sorry, Raj. God, one of them is I am so low on Nicholas Petit Frere. Like, there's going to be a oh, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of sort of like buzz considering he's a five-star recruit and mm-hmm. goes back to what we talked about earlier being a five-star recruit you have that expectation his tape this year was pathetic rough right and yeah i don't mean i know me and keith were talking about it all, all year with regards to his tape against michigan his tape against minnesota his tape against penn state it is just it is terrible um people are going to fall in love with the the measurables and like prototypical offensive linemen six five three twenty and just sort of yeah, there's something. There's a there's a bit of mold of clay you could probably sort of work with there. But again, he is he is bad, like really bad. Like <laughs> I think I think I haven't rated as a fifth rounder. I think I was even being a bit generous because um, even looking back on it now, sixth, seventh. That, that's that that's probably his where I see him. Maybe a late fifth rounder, but it, it, he's a bad player and. Uh, uh, what's his name? Munford as well. Alan Munford, yeah. He's probably stunned as well. He's probably just as bad as well, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, not high and petty for at all, but don't be surprised if someone falls in love with the college he came from, his, his, his measurables, and see him as a day two, but no way should he ever be a day two player. Yeah, we, we, we kind of, you know, do fall into that trap sometimes, don't we? We're thinking, oh, well, he goes to Ohio State, you know, they produce a shit ton of linemen throughout the years, and they must be good, right? But yeah, no, you're right. PT Frere is our number 154th prospect for the, like I say, late fifth round pick. I can't actually see Mumford for a second, but I'm sure I'll find him before the end of the pod and we'll let everyone know where we've got him in our big board. But yeah, Kieran, you wanted to say something as well. Well, you know, Raj's got a good point about Petty Frere. I'd rather have a Petty Falou out there <laughs> protecting my quarterback, if I'm going to be completely honest. But it was just on Tyler Linderbaum for a second because mm. I missed the first part of that. But People are focusing too much on his arms. Every time I have focused on a guy's arms, I have been burned. So this time I'm just, I've focused on what I saw. So I said Nick and Joey Bosa were going to be terrible because they've got short arms. Fuck that up. I said Lloyd Cushenbury out of LSU was going to be a fantastic center because he's got long arms. Fuck that one up. Um, so I think Tyler Linderbaum, you've just got to focus on the tape. And yeah, the positional value is low because he's not, he doesn't have any versatility. He is a center. But if you take him as a center, like with that Chiefs pick, that's increased his value tenfold because they're like, oh, maybe we should draft a straight up center and not just like kick someone out there. So yeah, he's a guy I think should be going realistically top 15 i know the positional value isn't that high but just how i see him personally the amount of value you've got to understand the center handles the ball every single offensive stat you need a guy who can do that and i think he's the guy for pretty much any team that wants him i just hope he goes to the bengals mm. yeah no it's like the key said earlier it's looking like a real pick that everyone's kind of getting on board with so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that one in a couple of weeks' time and, and see sort of where the Bengals go with that one late in the first round and kind of save him from, from dropping into the second, to be honest. But yeah, no, we'll see where that kind of goes. I kind of wanted to just finish the pod. I know this is kind of not something I've prepared for, for everyone, but I want to ask you guys, do you have a 
quote-unquote, my guy on the offensive side of the ball um, in this draft class? Uh, I have a, uh, a couple of running backs that I've been banging the drum since. Yeah, since I thought you might come on with this one, to be honest. James Cook and Rashad White, like, I think they'll end up being the two best backs out of this class. I, mm. I, I, I called them out at summer scouting and, like, always on the group, I'm always saying, like, these are the guys that I reckon are going to be top of the class come, come this 10 days' time. So they're my guys that I'm rooting for. And obviously hearing that James Cook went through a visit to the Dolphins, I think, yeah, their fourth round if he drops there, and same with Rashad White, if they drop there, running up to the podium. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, we we kind of both got on this at the same time, didn't we, Raj, with, with Rashad White? And it's only just in the past couple of weeks that I've really seen and heard him get in a little bit of buzz as well. So I'm quite happy with that one. You know, the fact that he's kind of an all-round back and um, he can go on the field on third downs because he's receiving prowess is is, uh, is so, you know, so up there. And he's got this home run ability. I think when we were talking about him before this past season, he was averaging 10 yards a carry, wasn't he? So, um, you know, he's a guy that I think can be really successful as kind of a mid-round guy. There's plenty every year that do that. Yeah, both of them are three down backs. Their mm. pass catching ability is, is what makes them stand out. So, um, yeah, I think teams are going to fall in love with both of them, to be honest. So, yeah, they're my guys that I've been talking about the whole year. So, go on, Richard and... James. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? What about Kieran and Keith? What you've got uh, my guy that you kind of want to shout out, someone that you're gonna bang the table for. Well, I, I would have said Isaiah Spiller, because I really like him. And mm-hmm. I know that's sort of controversial, but Raj put in group chat that his number one tight end is Trey McBride, and my god, the tape is fantastic. Yeah, you were loving loved... this, weren't you, on the, the draft oh, podcast that we did? I, I took him in the first round, didn't I? At the you end of the first. Have. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. I don't think he's like uh, a Kyle Pitts or, or or anything like that, but that's a rare sort of player. I think you get him in the league, he could certainly be like a Mark Andrews sort of guy. He's he's tough. He loves to block. So He does the George Kittle thing, though. He like bullies a guy, and then you can see him laughing beneath his helmet. It's just a, an attitude I love. He, he loves playing ball, and Duke can catch. He can move as well. I was quite surprised, actually, by how athletic he looked because he's quite a big guy like when you see him out there but so the way he moved was actually pretty interesting so I'm yeah I'm gonna have to say Trey McBride and I I know that one's gonna make Raj and Keith pretty happy as well the reason the reason why he's not being talked about the first round is touchdown production and I think you have to look beyond that with regards to um his 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 ability to both block and, and as a pass catcher as well I think he's fantastic um as I was watching more and more tape of him I was slowly sneaking him into the first round I know on our, our full 10 yards uh, group chat I, I have actually said maybe the Packers or the Chiefs at the end of the first could be a, a great fit for Trey McBride oh, him replacing Robert Tonyan and yeah. potentially an ageing Travis Kelsey that's a fantastic call exactly so I can see why he's potentially a late first rounder and I, I, I'm warming towards that 100% totally agree I also wouldn't mind seeing him take take a CJ Uzama's spot. Now I know Hayden Hurst is there, but you can't have, have Linda and McBride. Though. That's the problem. Mate. <laughs> do I do what I want, mate? <laughs> Keith, what about yourself? Job of my guy. I do. I like to take Tom um, from Wake Forest. I think I'd probably still try him at tackle. Um, the tackle tape is phenomenal. I've called him Charles Cross Light. Mm. Um, because 
his pass blocking was the best that I studied for for my little section. Um, but he has played centre before. I think he could play all of. He could play every spot. A versatile lineman, fundamentally sound. That's what you want to be drafting on day two. Um, I really hope he goes second or third round. And I'll always have a soft spot for Bailey Zabby, always. Um, <laughs> uh, when I studied that tape in last summer, and I, I, I flicked through the Houston Baptist versus Texas Tech, because that was their biggest game they had. And obviously that's a... Yeah, I mean, my eyes were just like, wow, this is... I'm watching something here. This is not... Uh, I'm not watching Tom Brady, but what I'm watching is someone from a tiny college having a real go here. And I like this. And then as soon as, yeah, as, soon as he goes to Western Kentucky, he's done... Set the world on fire. Um, I yeah, I don't know where he goes. I don't think anyone's as high as me and Kieran are on him. But yeah, early day three and and let him sit and and learn. That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong, can you? It's only dart throws at that that sort of stage of the draft. So yeah, why not? And I mean, he's always going to have that record, isn't he? The, you know, the sixty touchdown season and. That's going to be something on his resume that teams are going to buy into, aren't they? At some point, you know, Bob might get him a second chance in the league. In the league, if uh, he doesn't work out with the team that originally picks him up, so yeah, or he's the first MVP of the XFL. <laughs> you never know, <laughs> or the USFL or whatever it is that they, they've uh, just started. No, he's, he's too good for the USFL. They've okay. got oh, what's his face? The long the Paxton Lynch. Easy, easy, <laughs> even throwing picks in the USFL, mate. It's a disaster. <laughs> hey, they could sign him be. as a kicker, though. He, that, he'd be the best kicker in the league. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, just to finish off, again, my one, I'm going to kind of stick um, with a sort of thing that we've not really spoke about too much in the skill positions um, until this section. But George Pickens, I want to remind everyone that this guy was very, very good once time and would have made a big difference to an already fantastic team in Georgia um, this year. You know, He's run a 4-4 just coming back off that injury. He's he's raw. You know, he's not like the perfect wide receiver, but he would have been, you know, with another year of production and a year of kind of being on the field and things like that, I think he'd have been in that top group, that top shelf, that top um, five group of receivers that we've kind of got. And I think he would have made and added one more. You know, we're talking about a guy who was an SEC freshman, um, all freshman, uh, all, no, SEC, all team, all, oh my God, I can't get my words out. All SEC team as a freshman, in 2019, kind of got there at the end. Um, and I think, you know, with um, something I talked about on the Turn Up For What podcast with Ewan a couple of days ago, um, he's a guy who's kind of fell by the wayside in people's minds, I think, because of the injury. You know, and people like Christian Watson and other players who have become more popular because they've kind of been more kind of recent um, in our minds and kind of with the combine, things like that, have kind of overtaken him almost. And I don't think it's kind of just because... George Pickens has done a lot in the SEC and then you've got a guy, I don't want to bash Christian Watson for this, but, you know, he's had some production with North Dakota State and fair play, but it's not producing the SEC, is it? You know what I mean? And I don't want to bash on small schools because I feel like I've done that all the episode, which I didn't want to do, but just kind of fell that way, I guess. But I just wanted to remind everyone that George Pickens is, is good and as long as he doesn't go to like the Chiefs or something, I'm be rooting for him in the NFL and obviously in draft weekend as well. So, um, yeah, that kind of wraps us up for this episode. Obviously, we'll be back next week. Um, we're kind of focusing the same sort of thing, I think the same same crowd, I think. Everyone's in, aren't they, for next week? And I think we'll be kind of focusing on the defensive side of the ball um, during a couple of days before the draft. 
uh, and kind of having this fun chat. But guys, thank you for joining us again. You know, it's been a, it's been a great little catch up before the draft. Hopefully, we've kind of got our opinions out there to kind of support our draft guide that we've spent so long getting out. And uh, you know, we're almost there. It's almost the draft. We're almost there. But yeah, no. Um, tell 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 the listeners where each of you can be found. Um, so, Kieran, I'll start with you. You've got a new handle again. Yeah, I annoyed some uh, U.S. Army guys, so uh, I'm at Progress Go Brewer now. That's two two hours in Brewer. Um, don't really talk about football that much, to be honest. So you're probably better off following at Full Ten Yard CFB on Twitter. That's probably a better watch if you want to talk about football and not listen to me whine about politics. Um, but yeah, head over to fulltenyards.com forward slash shop, pick up the guide, put insane amounts of work into it, and everyone's done fantastically. Um, it, I've I've been using the pages I didn't do myself to educate myself on things like the offensive line and tight ends and linebackers and all this. So even for guys like us who watch all this film, it's still very helpful. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Keith, what about yourself? Where can we find you? <laughs> I'm so there old. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even hit the unmute button. Uh, at Lord Luckin uh, on Twitter. Um, just want a quick shout out to the wife and the kids who have put up with my um, insane uh, film watching of prospects. They have no idea what I'm doing half the time. They probably think I'm a pervert. Uh, I'm not. Well, I am just a college football one. Um, yeah, I love them, and they've helped me get uh, get to where I am. So uh, thanks to them. Uh, but yes, love effort into the guide, and it's. It's been fun, actually. It's been really fun. Mm. Hard work, but fun. Yeah. No, I know it was It was something that you really wanted to do, wasn't it, when you joined us last year? You know, when we kind of put the uh, the kind of message out there, you were really on board. So I'm glad that we kind of got you on board and it's been really, really valuable. Not that we're kind of, you know, we're not saying goodbye to it. I don't know why I'm making it sound like you're leaving us or anything like that. But <laughs> no, I'm just really happy that we kind of, you know, were able to kind of get you on board for it. I think it was really valuable to have you. For an old boy like me, just being able to do something with a, a very talented, <laughs> a very talented crew we have, uh, very knowledgeable. Um, yeah, I love chatting with everyone on here and uh, yeah. a bloody good guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're, we're all really happy with how it turned out. And lastly, Raj, what about yourself? Where can we find you? So you find me on Twitter at the underscore Garch. Um, I told everyone about Jalen Widemeyer and. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. We should have said that, shouldn't we? We should have given yeah. you a moment. But, 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 but read the guide. Buy the guide. Read the guide. And obviously, proof is in the pudding. But um, yeah, like like the guy said, like, like fantastic effort from everyone to get that guide out. It is it is really good reading. The feedback I've got has been really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, get it ready for draft day. Um, like like he said, and, and like like Kieran said, I'm learning from the positions that I didn't. I didn't uh, scout, um, and um, yeah, it, it, it's it's great read, and um, it goes towards a good cause as well. It's only a fibre, so obviously I know times are hard at the minute, but it's the price of an Easter egg. So <laughs> yeah, and we've all eaten too much of them over the past few days, I'm sure. And you know, just kind of want to follow up you guys and just give a shout out to Andy, Jake, and Ed, who obviously aren't on the pod, but obviously big contributors to the guide. Uh, so yeah, we thank them for their, their contributions and, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear from them very, very soon. But no, lads, again, thank you for jumping on and we'll be back next week to talk some defence. So can't wait for that one personally. 
Uh, but yeah, no, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll, we will see you then. And we will be very, very close to the draft then. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.